once dinner's done, unless it's a bath night, which tends to be every other night, um, it's kind of this weird sort of, she'll go off and maybe watch a couple of episodes of My Little Pony or something, you know, it's their own thing, or we maybe we'll watch a, we've started watching um, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. It's really good, really enjoying it. So that's become a bit of a family thing. She quite likes it, and Scarlet loves a scare. So um, that's quite positive, because obviously there's scary monsters on there, aren't there? But uh, On Scooby-Doo? Yeah, but being Scooby-Doo, they're always someone in a suit, so there's the scariness of the monsters kind of d- diluted by the fact that you know it's someone in a suit. It's not actually a scary monster. So it's never a scary, hairy Japanese girl who was stuck down the well? Very rarely. Was that lock and key? No, that was the ring. I can see where you get confused. There is a well in the first book of of lock and key. The person in the well in lock and key. The best jump scare in a comic I've ever read. I didn't think I've ever been jump scared by a comic. It's, it's the only real time it's happened to me. I've been creeped out by comics, but it was a proper jump scare. I think it happens on the turn of a page, so it works really well. I think, if I think about it, the only comics that have ever really creeped me out were probably... Junji Ito's stuff did later on, like Uzumaki yeah. and all of that stuff, but um, the Swamp Thing, mm. uh, the Alan Moore books of Swamp Thing... Uh, it specifically, and this is very specific, in the black and white Titan, the old Titan. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, I might have talked about this on this podcast before. Uh, the, uh, You're listening to We Have Issues on Old. <laughs> the, uh, the, um, uh, the old black and white, back when you couldn't just get hold of something by jumping on Amazon, so yeah. you, you found things back. So I used to, I, I borrowed some relatively well loved and, well, not well loved, well read, uh, uh, copies of the Titan books of uh, mm-hmm. Alan Moore's Run on Swamp Thing with art by Steve Bissett and because it was in black and white I don't I don't know why anyone ever bothered reading Steve Bissett's art in colour it just because it's got this even with the best colourist in the world mm-hmm. it's got this real woodcut sort of yeah. uh, really thick like atmospheric uh, black woodcutty lines mm-hmm. to it which make colouring almost irrelevant yeah, like yeah. And uh, and very atmospheric, and I read those, and they actually did creep right under my skin. I guess as well, that was the first time most most people had really read, like, proper horror comics, I think. Excuse me, I just did a little micro You're feeling a bit bilious? Not, no, not bilious. Snotty, but not bilious. It's okay, we didn't draw attention to it, so I, I doubt anyone will have even registered it. Um, but... At the same time as I was listening to these Swamp Thing albums, because this used to happen as well, I, my listening habits have changed completely. Mm-hmm. These are the, these are two of the main two uh, two grown men subjects: comics mm. and uh, and music. Uh, the, the especially old music. Mm. I listened to inexplicably at the time that I was listening to. I was reading the Swamp Thing books religiously. Mm. I was also listening to um, an album. Two albums were in heavy rotation at the time. Uh, I think it was uh, the Darling Buds, uh, Pop Said, mm-hmm. and uh, the Primitives, whatever the name of that album mm-hmm. was. And they're very sort of jangly, uh, female vocal mm-hmm. uh, pop. There is prob- I think there is a name for it, like Punky Pop, sort of. 
I'd, I think I transitioned to them from Voice of the Beehive, who were even more jangly. Goodness. But, uh, but both of those bands were very hooky mm-hmm. and very, uh, uh, not, not, not naive, but sort of quite whimsical. Well, Darling Buds were shoegazers, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think mm. it is. I think shoegaze is probably the name for it, but I only really like the female. She don't like ride. No, no. And I mean, that, that transition to it, I really, really like, unironically love the film Josie and the Pussycats and the soundtrack to the film mm-hmm. Josie and the Pussycats for the same reason. And, uh, so I was really like listening to, uh, those albums almost obsessively while mm. I was reading the Swamp Things thing. And so now whenever I think of uh, any of the, uh, there's one particular refrain in one of the songs. I think it's Darling Bud's song, not a primitives mm-hmm. one. Um, it's just a song about, I think, going around and having it out with, uh, some girl who, who's stolen your boyfriend or something. Like it's, it's some mm. relatively juvenile, uh, um, se- uh, sentiment. Mm-hmm. But the refrain is, let's go around there, let's go around there. And this girly voice with sort of jangly guitars and everything. And whenever I think of that refrain, which I, you know, I'm thinking about it a lot right now, but I don't think about it mm-hmm. that often, but it's always, it's like a, that particular refrain mm-hmm. has become a hologram, like a little audio hologram yeah. of all of the stuff that creeped me out in those something comics. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't separate the two out. It is, it is weird how, how music will cement memories onto itself. I remember. Audio hologram's good, isn't it? it audio really hologram is very good. I um, I think my most vivid is if I listen to the third in Spiral Carpets album, Revenge of the Goldfish. My grand died around that time, and I was listening to it a lot. It, well, I was listening to it all the time. So I was just about just turning eighteen, listening to Revenge of the Goldfish, working at a hotel, and playing Super Mario Three. Mm-hmm. And, and those memories are also, if I, if I hear, especially, um, the tune Generations, which kind of seemed a little bit poignant at the time of Grandite. But, um, if I listen to that, I think about working at the hotel and it's, it's weird how it's all, everything happens. It's like very, dreams. very firmly meshed into that album. I can't listen to it. If, if I want to listen to it, I know that I'm going to have to allow those memories into my head. And, you know, sometimes I want to and sometimes I don't. It's sort of, it's, um, I realised quite how much that period of me terrifies me last night, actually. And then this is why I hate Facebook with a burning passion. Mm-hmm. I, I find, I, for various reasons, I, I find looking back on, especially my teenage self, but even myself from my twenties, I don't like looking back on myself because of how, I, was, I think I was pretty unwell and I didn't realise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, definitely very unhappy for very long periods of time and uh nicola last night we were in bed weirdly because <laughs> this is kind of mission to we were watching um on 4id or whatever it's called now we we're watching the, that tfi friday they did oh yeah this weekend so that was bringing back some happy sentimental memories because you know in the mid 90s you know when when we had good times we had very good times you know we had a lot of we had a lot of fun as well as me being sad for much of it but um Nicola was going through Facebook and someone that we'd gone to school with who, who Nicola told me her name. I, the name vaguely rung a bell, but I couldn't conjure up a face. But, um, she posted her picture she'd taken on the last day of school. Mm-hmm. And there was one of me in there. And I just, I could not look. I, I looked at it and I was like, 
repulsed by it. It was, I don't want to look at that guy. I don't want to look at 16 year old me just about to leave school. It's, I don't hate, I don't hate me from that period, but I feel so, and this is my particular sort of self absorption is way more egotistical than yours, I think. Um, I feel really sorry, like, I feel really sorry for him. And it's, um, cause I mean, he will have, he will have behaved like a jerk. Mm. When you mention the Inspiral Carpets, my particular mm-hmm. audio memory of them, every time they're mentioned, even though I listened to a lot of their stuff mm. repeatedly, the only thing I really remember is, uh, my ex-girlfriend for two months, who I've definitely talked about on the mm. podcast, uh, Jesse, the person who informed, uh, the, the, my particular relationship with relationships through the mm. sixth form. Uh, the first of the two indie, indie all music mm-hmm. girlfriends I had. Um, the, the, uh, I, I very specific, specifically remember her singing the, uh, bit, uh, from the end of the Inspiral Carpets version of Directing Traffic. Mm. But in the accent. She didn't have the accent. But like the very thick northern right. accent, and I can, ju- I, so I can, she'd like to do a bit of the man. Yeah, I can yeah. barely remember her face. No, I can't. Like that's bullshit. I can mm. really remember her face. But um, but that's something that I can't remember many of the conversations we had. But I definitely very strongly. Was that remember not an original composition by the, the the? Was it them who? St- no, I think. If if it was originally them, it's something that everybody covered at the time because I, I think the Happy Mondays did it as well. I don't remember that at all. Maybe not. Maybe I'm getting. Maybe no. I'm thinking of something else. Mm. Directing traffic is the Inspiral Carpets. Mm. That is the song I'm thinking of. I was thinking of Give Me Shelter for some. Oh reason. yeah, no, they definitely did. Because like that, there was a there was a whole section of John Peel Sessions mm. albums which was just people doing cover versions of Give Me Shelter. Yeah, funny enough, I'm uh, fairly certain that's the around thing that existed. At home, kicking around at home somewhere, I've got a, a, the Inspiral Carpets Peel session. CD. Mm. I have somewhere. It's, I'm sure it's um, Give Me Shelter and Keep the Circle Around, which I don't... I don't Keep think... the Circle Around, yeah, I've yeah. got that. Oh, yeah, mm. we've probably got, both got that same... Mm. haven't listened to it in a really long time, but I don't need to, because I listen to them, like, religiously. Mm. Thinking about it, there was a back room. When we, we, when we lived in Sleaford, we had this... We were Sleaford mod. No, they're not actually from Sleaford. It's really weird. That's cheating. Yeah, it, it is really odd. But, um... We had, I want to cycle back to the thing about music, uh, or holograms, okay. uh, audio holograms. Trademark too. But, um, but the, the, we had this, we lived in this cafe. It had a, I think it must have been a hotel at some point. It was really mm. near the train station in Sleaford. I don't know if it's still there, but on the, uh, the, the, uh, on one side, on the left hand mm-hmm. side, there was a fish and chip shop at the front. And, and behind that, there were the, there was the room with the potato peelers and everything. And mm. on the, and that was quite small. On the right hand side, there was quite a big cafe with a big mm. glass fronted window. Um, and then our, where we lived was on the floors above it. Mm-hmm. And it was actually like three stories. My room, uh, my bedroom and my sister's bedroom, my sisters, both of them shared a room, mm-hmm. uh, were both in the top floor, which oh, had cool. like, so the, it, uh, what's it called where you've got the roof, the shape of the roof goes into your, and you got a Velux window and anyway attic kind of. So our our rooms had the the section of the roof, mm-hmm. and I, I very clearly remember listening to Herald Radio, which is the Peterborough radio stations. They did an indie uh, mm. show in the evenings, and then when the indie show finished, it went straight into uh, uh, blues. 
mm-hmm. really uh, old white men singing the blues stuff, and and um, and so I always end up listening looking, to that. Because, looking back on it, we're probably as old as we are now, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, probably. Been, yeah. Um, but uh, but at the back of because I think it had been a hotel at some point. At the back of the whole uh, building, there were just loads of. Like we had a little bathroom in our living mm. area. It was like a little, ma- like a little house thing or maisonette mm-hmm. thing at the front. And then there were whole, there was loads of, there were like stairwells at the back and whole rooms that we just mm-hmm. never, that actually kind of creeped us out. We were there for a few years, and I okay. just never went out there. We didn't have a garden. Mm. We had this weird round the back of our kitchen, which we never used because we had the cafe downstairs. Yeah. Um, there were there was a fire escape, and, mm. and it was a really weird place to live. I can't but, imagine having rooms in a home that I never visit. It, well, because it didn't feel, it never really felt that much like a home okay. anyway, because I, I worked in the CAF, so I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time, I was at school and then I came home and I spent a lot of time in the CAF. Yeah. Um, and we weren't the sort of family who was particularly close. But yeah, I just, I just this second remember that even down, I, I always remember that the toilets were at the back and I never used them. Mm. We used our own bathroom because, because the toilets down this corridor and there were whole stairwells mm. at the right at the back that were just creepy. But, um, on the very, it sounds like, it sounds like the sort of place rich people would live. But I think it was accepted when we had the lease to the place mm. that most of it was unusable and probably a little bit dangerous. I don't know. Um, but there was actually this big room, which I guess could have been used as a function room, at the back of the downstairs that was hardly ever used. Mm-hmm. And I just remembered when we were talking about indie music that there was a girl at the time who I thought I was just friends with who for, who just to get practice drawing wanted to draw me. But now that I think about it, uh, must have fancied me. And that's why I think there was mm. some weird... I can't remember anything about that except that it was the back room of our old place. And in my memory, it kind of had a very sort of a red or a mahogany feel to it. But mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's Twin Peaks I'm thinking of. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. It could be. Sounds very shining to I me. I might be having repressed memories. I, I, um, I was listening to a thing on, um, on, uh, Radio 4 the other day and they were talking. And I think it was all in the mind, uh-huh. which is, uh, the show about, uh, psychiatry and, and neuroscience uh-huh. and so So you don't think, you're not thinking I listened to a show, but it might have all been in the mind that I was thinking it. No, it was more, it was more about your repressed memories and all there right. was, or, or rather traumatic repressed memories and there was, um, some discussion about, um, some psychologists in the 80s and 90s who were, who were very, believed that repressed memories were a thing and they drove depression and, and so forth. Um, there were some examples where, because they were going in, uh, and, and we, we may or may not have a listener who can probably tell us more about this. Um, they were basically leading their, their subjects. Sure. Not necessarily doing so on a particularly conscious level, but asking them a series of questions that would then end up having them believe that there, there was some suppressed memories. And there was a woman giving some, um, uh, some evidence saying that, you know, she, she, um, had, uh, a depressive illness and had become convinced it was due to a repressed memory. And eventually, you know, the psychologist was kind of just pushing her to say something, some abuse had happened mm-hmm. to her when, when it hadn't, she had no memory of it. And this, I, I can't remember the name uh, of the chap or the, the, the study he's, he, he's done, but he sounded credible and he was on Radio 4. So you know, 
from previous conversations. That's good enough for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, he said that um, he, he believes there's no such thing as traumatic repressed memory, that, that in, in his encounters with individuals who'd had traumas, they remember them. That's the problem. It's, yeah. it's trauma. It's, the, the, the mind has great difficulty um, getting rid of trauma. It, and because you know, as I've been going through sort of my mental health issues, and I know that it's it sort of swings on a certain point in my life, mm-hmm. and I was and I was thinking to myself, well, maybe I've got some suppressed memory. But then talking to Nicola the other night, and we were discussing this. Um, I was going into one of my um, one of my sort of um, little sort of introspective um, digressions with her. And and I was saying for so long I thought I had a repressed memory, but then we started talking about the period that I kind of discovered from counselling that, you know, I, I remember a point when I was pretty much happy all the time, on you know, as a child, and I remember the point as a child when unhappiness became the norm mm-hmm. and not feeling very happy very often. Um, uh, but we were talking, it's just, and we were going through the things that happened around that period. It was just, it was just a few things that happened that weren't massively traumatic really i mean it was bullying which was unpleasant but they happened all at the same time and that's probably why that was the point where life started to change and i failed to your normal change doesn't have to be a huge thing but no there was like sort of changes in behaviors of my parents changes in their relationship impacts from some of the decisions my dad made that ended up in bullying which we talked about in my point of view so it, it for for I think probably before I went through this process of, of, cause the useful thing I think the counselling has helped me, although I haven't taken any since, I, I will take it up again, but, um, circumstances have meant I've not been able to. But the thing about the counselling is I've found that it's got me, um, analysing stuff in a slightly different, I've got a different vocabulary and a different emotional vocabulary as well. So I was able to sort of, okay, well, I felt for a long time maybe I had a repressed, but actually all of this, this happened at the same time. So it, that guy's probably right. I haven't got a repressed memory of some great trauma. And I think it, it's because it's potentially, it's an easy answer as well. Sure. That it's quite attractive. It's like, well, I'm fucked up. So I must have something that I can't remember. I can't have just had like an accumulation of shit over the years that's made me feel like this. There must have been something big that's maybe not able to cope, you know? Because, because in a way, maybe that makes you feel less weak. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I, I think, I think there are, and that's, uh, I think for you, feeling weak was worrying about being weak was quite a yeah, stop me getting, driver. Stop me getting it? treated for years yeah, and years and so, years because I thought I was feeling sorry for myself and I needed um, to pull my socks up. I uh, I have a long history of wanting to be told what's wrong with me. Mm. Just with just not mainly with not with psychological stuff. Although probably mm. is psychological stuff. Mainly with things like my stomach and stuff like. That. I mm. think I think I have a whole bunch of things that are brought on by anxiety. You want a diagnosis, but I kind of want someone mm. to tell me, no, no, it's because you're eating such and such, and you need yeah. to. And so I, oh. I'll and the whole snoring thing. I want that to be about something other than yeah. that. I just snore, and that's yeah. just it. But um, but the the memory thing. I wonder if I mean, and and we aren't professionals, listener. This is two grown men, by the way. Uh, you can listen to all of our past <laughs> episodes. 
at uh, twogrownmen.net. You can talk to us on... Telephone if you've got our number. (laughs) You can talk to us on uh, Twitter at 2GMPod or or me personally at NickSite or James. Yeah, I'm uh, James Mom, M-O-M-B. And uh, we've got a Facebook page, (laughs) although both of us hate it for different reasons. Not the page, just Facebook. Can can I be honest? I've never seen it. I hate Facebook so much. I don't think I've ever seen... Oh, I might have once. I might have linked to it once. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. I hate Facebook, Nick. I'm Your so instinct, sorry. You don't even need to go on Facebook to hate mm. it. It's fine. I understand. Um, uh, and you can listen to us or listen to all of our past episodes at your podcast choice. Some of the episodes of this... Uh, it's worth going to the episode page on twogrownmen.net for some of the episodes, though. Most of them have uh, quite extensive show notes with little bits of videos and stuff that mm. relate to what we're talking about. Uh, depending on how uh, much I have allowed myself to porncrastinate mm. <laughs> while editing, generally. I've just come up with that, porncrastinate. I think the uh, the pot noodle pepperami was a high stroke low, oh, low point, yeah, I wasn't think, it? I, I, have feel, I have weird feelings about that. Yeah. Um, feels, I think they call them. Can't eat pot noodles anymore. Can you not? Because of that or just because oh, of the thing? Mm. Um, the memory thing, though, I, I, I wonder if... Yes, we're not we're not professionals of pretty much anything, really. I have no professional qualifications, sir. But um, the memory thing—I wonder if there aren't potentially two different things going on. Because there are whole periods of my life that I just don't remember, like really significant periods of my life that I don't Mm. I don't really have any memories of. But I wonder if there there are two different things. So Mm. certainly, in your case and in my case, Mm. there's bias going on with. All of the memories are there of all of the different events, mm-hmm. but there are the things, there are the thing, there are the memories that loom larger in your mind. Like when you watch a film, uh, like when you watch a film, uh, like, uh, that has a real gotcha ending, like, uh, Fight Club or, sorry, spoilers, uh, if you haven't Usual seen Fight suspects. Club. Or Usual Suspects or something where it, the, actually Fight Club's a bad example because they cheat, but, uh, Sixth Sense or something like that where you, you find out something at the end and then it goes back and all of those scenes were there but they were just tiny mm-hmm. little details and they weren't what you were focusing on so you might have been focusing on all of the uh all of the the nights out you were having or something and the the debauch nights or the fun times or whatever and remembering that you were the grumpy person <laughs> at a night out but not really remembering all of the little details mm-hmm. that were scattered around oh wait a minute i've always been like this yeah. sort of thing that that mm-hmm. sort of thing so i think there's a little bit of that and and that and that isn't helped by the fact that the story you're being told by everyone else mm is, but these were really good times. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? Um, there's an element of that actually with Facebook, like lots mm. of photos. And I, did, I didn't get back to why I'm so sad when I look mm. at photos of myself when I was younger, because if I'm sad, I remember how sad I was a lot of the time. But if I'm smiling, I'm like, but that isn't how, why did, why do, was that a fake smile? <laughs> or was I just putting it on? Or did I just not remember the good times? Because mm. unlike you, I think you probably felt the sadness very mm-hmm. specifically, but it isn't how you defined yourself for the longest time necessarily. It was something you thought, whereas I definitely defined myself. I find it very difficult to remember that there were ever good times. Mm-hmm. And people can tell me about parties and or whatever, and I'll realize that, yes, I was at that party, and that was one of the ones where I wasn't being a complete weirdo mm-hmm. about a girl or something. You know, so... Um, See, it's funny, it's funny for me. I, I wasn't... 
neurotic individuals, I just, I remember like going out and just feeling alone in a room full of people, mm. just really alone. And that's what you remember. Was, yeah. 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 But then I also remember like, well, th- that was all right. But then, you know, for the most part, I'd take enough drugs or drink enough to sort of drink myself or, or drug myself around. Yeah. Most, most of my really happy nights out are drug, are drug related though. Because, I- because that's what I needed to make me happy. You know, I needed like a drug like ecstasy to give me a shitload of serotonin. Yeah. <laughs> to have a good time or, or speed to give me a lot of energy. Well, and sometimes oh. there's a camaraderie to, I, certainly for me, for the short window of time when I was taking, uh, taking lots of drugs or some drugs, um, there's also a social element to it that makes you feel like you, in my case, you take the drugs with mm. other people. There's kind of an almost element of ceremony to it because it was normally acid. Mm-hmm. So you take the drugs or, or speed when you were going to a, a, like a mega dog or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I hesitate to call mega dogs raves. That's kind of what they were, but they were kind of almost the acceptable organized face of raves. Raves were really pretty well organized by were the mid nineties. They? they had to be that, you know, they, yeah. I, you know, you always think, oh, this is sort of like a seat your pants thing, but I remember going to things like Helter Skelter up in Milton Keynes. Like they had two warehouses that they had to, get licensing to run run the event they had to get security they had to you know they got a little fun fair there they had to get the peer there's a lot of organization so goes into it i know? shouldn't feel like a bandwagon jumper that i only ever went to mega dogs then no i don't even know what mega dogs are probably okay. regional weren't they no or no they, they, they started in uh, they funnily enough they started just down the road from where my grand lives in london but i didn't oh, right. know that until okay. i went to one here and a couple here and one in nottingham i don't know what mega dogs are I know it's that. like a it's like an all night uh like rave a rave. thing but it's normally but i think the slightly unusual thing about them maybe compared to other uh, raves was it, it tended to be people like that they'd There'd be a very live performer element to it, so. So there'd be a live PA. And uh, no, there'd be like bands like Banco de Gaia and um, the tra- trancey bands, and I think were, were Orbital did Orbital play at one of them. Oh wow, I'm not sure, but it was that sort of thing. The rather than rather than being uh, DJs being at the mm-hmm. centre of it, which I imagine is normally the case. Oh, it, God, was, yeah. it was much more sort of this community of performers who'd turn up all and but yeah, the well, music the music they were doing was. Mm trance or ambient or rave music so it's mm. sort of um but yeah where where was i oh the other but the other thing about memory and yeah i remember a lot of those nights and mm. I, and i think you probably have a really com- you end up with a really conflicted memory because you remember periods of the night where you were no what I was talking about with acid. So you, you take it and there's normally a ritualistic mm-hmm. element of it in which you're all part of something and you're all taking yeah. a risk together, especially mm-hmm. with that. You don't know how you're going to be spending the next, you're basically committing to spending the next 12 mm-hmm. hours around this little like community of people. Mm. And then the drug itself ends up giving you these quite unique experiences mm. that you're sort of sharing with the people around you and they're yeah. having similarly, maybe mm-hmm. not the same experiences, but weird experiences. And actually in that case, you end up informing like you'll be having your own experience but if mm-hmm. someone says if someone has a weird idea or mm. thinks they're seeing something that they you you end up feeding off each other so there is a sort of a community to it definitely uh, unless you're really unlucky and you end up at some point isolated on your own and mm. weirded out or something no i, I my my social circle from about 18 
till my early 30s were like my main social circle were my drug friends mm-hmm. were, were friends that that's what bonded us together is we all like to go out and some more you know actually they were probably a bit more I, I didn't realize they were quite full on until um I kind of I, I didn't go out as much as they do but I always as much as they did but I always hung around with them and I remember a friend a friend of mine <clears throat> who enjoyed those sort of experiences went out with them one night mm-hmm. and came back looking a bit shell shot I mean they were quite they were quite keen on if if um if 90s and early 2000s drug culture um was a thing that can be said to have been done correctly or incorrectly I really think we got it right well <laughs> in terms of <laughs> there was there was an awful lot of it going on it was and and I think it was fun most of the time I yeah. think but then like you say I also remember when it wore off or when I was just drinking or stuff, just these horrible, lonely, miserable evenings where I just don't feel, didn't feel right. So it's weird. It's such conflicted memories. I am, um, maybe because, uh, maybe because my period of doing stuff was quite short and I was already in my early twenties. So I was already kind mm. of formed, relatively formed as a, as a, yeah. I, I knew my mind. You know, I was wrong about a lot of things, but I knew my mind. And a lot of the people I was I was taking stuff with had been doing it for a, a while mm. and were sort of settled into these behaviours. But that plays to my thing about bias and bias and memory. There was a if I guess, and it sounds like you probably experienced this more than mm-hmm. I did. There was all, always a lot of pressure on to not draw any attention to the. To any downsides in the experience, yeah, no. I don't mean I don't mean in terms of downers, but um, if there wasn't a lot of room for people to be, mm. there wasn't a lot of room for people to be lonely or or a bit depressed or whatever because no, that, it's come on, yeah, that Why kind of draw, draws a lot of attention, almost yeah. more than almost more mm. than in, uh, mm. uh, 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 and I think that the reason that happens in a workplace when mm. you're depressed or or in a social group when you're depressed is similar to the reason it had happened in a group like that. Mm. But but it's almost more intense there. It's that people have a lot invested in all of this making sense. Yeah. And uh, in, in everything being fine. And if you're mm. sad at any point, then... Because uh, I think everyone gets sad. Mm-hmm. I don't think everyone has... Everyone clinically or chemically necessarily gets mm-hmm. as sad. Yeah. But, um, but everyone gets sad. And there's almost this fear that if you're like if you draw and with drugs especially mm-hmm. because you've paid and there's a there's a it's all a bit undertinged mm-hmm. with desperation the way nearly everything that happens in your teens and early yeah, 20s yeah, is absolutely. that like well, wait a minute if this isn't i mean i'm pretty sure jarvis cocker has written pop songs about it that are much more concise than what i'm saying oh the but stress it's, it's of a, procuring it's when, a fucking house oh. of cards but the whole thing is a house of mm. cards procurement mm. but also the idea that this moment here is the most important thing that ever happened mm. it's no no it's it's the it's that to have a good time tonight you need it to yeah oh no i can remember one very specific example um we went to the bic for something it might even have been a slinky at the bic so it'd have been late on in my and that, is that slinky spelled with two e's i don't know i don't think it was i don't okay. remember but i um i remember at that point kind of i'd sworn off ecstasy because nicola didn't want me taking it we'd had a nightmare trying to find some and we'd, we'd take speed 
Mm-hmm. That would be our drug of choice. Just could not find any. Desperately trying to find some in the venue and couldn't. Just remember sitting there having a miserable time because, like, well, I can't dance when I'm pissed mm-hmm. and I didn't really want to get drunk. I've, I realise now I never really actually enjoyed it. So I just remember sitting there having a miserable night and I, oh, I wanted to go off and take some ecstasy, but obviously I've got. I've got my partner with me who would kill me if I did it. So I just remember we both sat there having a horrible night, really, just because there was, you know, it, it's... I always admired people who could enjoy it just for the the thrill of being there. I always remember having sort of um, weird conversations with, with guys who are very old. They're in their early 30s at raves. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, I remember, t- I remember vividly talking to this one guy at, um, a club called the Rhythm Station, old shot, which, um, was Happy Hardcore and Jungle. And, um, uh, I remember talking to him and he didn't take any drugs. He literally, it was his exercise and he'd dance, mm-hmm. you know, do the running man and that, you know, it's quite energetic. And he'd, he'd come and dance all night. That's what he enjoyed doing. He I mean, probably had some pretty serious drugs in his head. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's hard to judge when you're, Chock a block full of drugs yourself, isn't it? But I remember him being a, a, an absolute source of fascination for me. We're talking about it very much from the perspective of drug culture, but mm. I think there's an element of this. Well, if you've ever been in a pub with a big group of mates, mm. or you probably found it in football circles or mm-hmm. almost anything, there is this pressure to not draw attention. Mm. Not draw because uh, not draw attention oh, to any of the problems that are happening worse. in a social. Exactly. So keep th- drinking. Oh, just keep drinking. No, but I'm not enjoying myself, and I'm not watching the game. Just keep drinking. No, I want to stop drinking. Horrible. But I think the other reason, uh, the other reason I wonder about memory, about mm. lost memories when you're younger, I think. It totally makes sense to me what you're saying. This this chap said that that barring probably very special circumstances, mm. um, and also bearing in mind that uh, that memory is always uh, is not the concrete thing mm-hmm. that you know we do, do, we're uh, even if we were supposedly an objective witness to something yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean mm-hmm. we we our perspe- our perception wasn't slightly confused, but. Um, I've always thought that I've always been aware, and I think I, again, I think I've talked about it in on the show uh, previously. That I don't really have. I've got clearer memories of being christened. Something people tell me I shouldn't really have memories of, but I remember mm-hmm. being a baby and surrounded by people, and there being this person I didn't know dunking mm-hmm. me in water. And I haven't seen loads of. It's always possible I saw photos of me crying when I was is off, younger. This is often what they suggest, isn't it? Is actually up to a certain point, traumatic memories are because you've been told about them a lot, yeah, and you've seen images of it, yeah. But um, but I really don't remember most of my late noughts and early teens. I remember specific things, mm. like I remember um, I remember us moving, and so I can remember the food hall of the mm-hmm. school I went to. I can't remember m- much else that mm-hmm. was in my fourth year and stuff. And I've always, uh, uh, I've always linked it to the, there was a, 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 a child stillborn between, uh, my two sisters mm-hmm. and things got very strange yeah. in our house. So even the night that my parents were away, mm-hmm. there are stories about, uh, at the hospital, there are stories about that night mm-hmm. apparent, uh, that apparently I cut off uh, me and my, uh, little sister, um, 
disappeared off into a bathroom and she had really long hair mm. and between us we conspired to cut off all of like nearly all of her Brilliant. hair and that's a story it doesn't get tied to the fact that mm-hmm. that was the night when yeah. my parents were the hospital but i'm pretty sure that 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 was when and i've never i don't and I'll, i'm strict strict speaking i would have been old enough to remember mm-hmm. something major like that but i don't i don't have any memory of it and i've always sort of thought that i probably just it was too difficult to process everything that was going mm-hmm. on so i have just blocked it all out because i was miserable so it kept like that until probably um i started focusing on more on girls and nuclear war and stuff Mm. like that then um uh mainly nuclear war to be fair for a really long time and comics um in my teens like quite late like 13 or 14 is when Mm -hmm. i feel like i started tuning back in so it's like four or five years there but actually we talk about blocked memory and it feels like a very after the fact like the thing happened and then we moved on a certain way and then we deleted that from our memory. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how much of it is just that either because of something traumatic or because of something else mm-hmm. or because of something else that was going on. The reason we don't have really strong memories of a particular time is because we weren't very present at the time. Possibly. Like we were there so people expect us to remember things mm-hmm. and people who ask us about stuff expect us to remember. Mm. But either because we were just not a very present person the way I sometimes think I mm-hmm. am or um or I'm not I'm not sure how that works grammatically or or because something happened to make you very depressed mm-hmm. and especially because we're talking about well why 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 are you so sad why were you mm. depressed well maybe the reason you can't remember a lot of the details um until attention's drawn to them mm-hmm. or even um because what might be happening when mm. Nikki tells you about stuff that happened mm-hmm is you might be remember it might be that thing again about traumatic mm-hmm. memories you might be remembering because someone's telling you a story about it and it fits mm-hmm. with what went on um or you've seen a picture of it or whatever sure. um is maybe the reason i don't remember that period of time is because either i was a bit shell-shocked or things are a bit weird mm-hmm. so i withdrew almost entirely to my room and the reason i don't really remember very much about it was because i was literally just going through the motions and not very much mm-hmm. was happening so all of those things that other people mm-hmm. remember, like uh, events where they went out and had fun or had a really horrible time mm-hmm. or whatever, I just wasn't really engaging with or interacting with emotionally. Mm-hmm. So I never formed mm-hmm. really strong associations or memories with them. I, do, do you know, know what I mean? I do. I think what interests me, it's while you're talking, it's almost like I'm going through my little mental Rolodex of memories. And, and it's something I thought when looking at that picture of 16-year-old me, is I remember one of his great fears was dying, you know. I know that because I can remember it in inverted commas. But that person's almost entirely dead. Mm-hmm. They don't, that 16 year old me doesn't exist. I'm, I'm trundling around in the carcass he used, but he's, he couldn't be more dead, you know. Mm-hmm. Is, and, and, and the memories I, it kind of, it, memories get to a point as well where, a memory is no different really from a film you've seen and you're you'll remember or or, or imagining yourself in a certain situation so i'm sitting here and i'm remembering the big event in my my childhood was the the trip to see grandma and granddad in new zealand that's the the big event that dominates my my childhood and i can remember going to a little shop near the beach and i can remember going on the beach but i with just as much clarity I can um, uh, put myself in the cockpit of an X-Wing and blow up the, the Death Star. And it's exactly the same clarity, exactly the same, 
You know, it's, it comes to a point where who you are is quite sort of transient, really. Mm. It sort of it changes over time, and actually, you leave behind that person. It sort of he's gone. He is he is dead. He won't exist again. You know, that person can't exist again. You know, it's it's almost impossible. You know, because I'll never be sixteen again. Yeah. You can and, never step in the same river twice. Yeah, not in this car, because anyway, so it's, it's, time's arrow's a funny old thing, isn't it? You know, it's... You, when you said the thing about memories being like movies, it just reminded me that I probably have clearer memories. I've got quite a good memory for stuff that happens in films or comics or stories mm. I've read. Certainly I used to have, and so I probably remember loads of films I saw. I might not remember that I saw them during that period, mm-hmm. but I was probably more engaged. And again, that's because that fits my thesis, mm. because when I sit down to watch films, I am more engaged, certainly back then I would have been, more engaged and invested yeah. in what's going on than I was in the stuff that was going on around me. So, of course, yeah. I have a clearer memory of it. Also, with Star Wars, slightly a cheat because I did watch it like once a week for a huge chunk of my childhood. I, so it's muscle memory at this I, point. I've gone back to that. Yeah, you bet. I'm delighted doing that with Totoro now. I am. Um, it's not my fault I'm watching Star Wars every week, but we have, um. Of course it isn't. <laughs> not in a direct way. Yeah. But, um, we have Friday night movie night. Scarlet's allowed to stay up a little bit later, and after tea, we watch a movie. And consistently now, for the last two months or so, maybe three, she wants to watch a Star Wars film. Completely rejects the prequels. And, and I've, I, I tried her with the Phantom Menace without prejudice. Mm-hmm. I didn't preload her with ideas about this isn't very good. It's not a proper one. You know, I even said, oh, he's got a funny character in it. He talks funny and, you know, she's just completely lost interest, but she adores Return of the Jedi and she loves Empire Strikes Back. The, uh, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And we talk mm-hmm. about Star Wars an awful lot, but, mm. um, I think that even objectively, they are just simpler, more accessible stories yeah. mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, yeah. There's not, an, there's not an attempt to, there's, there aren't an awful lot of plot lines, but in, in, mm. especially Star Wars, which has the narrative clarity of Raids of the Lost Ark as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really yeah. matter how things happen. You literally, you're, the, the, you're following a bunch of characters. They have a reason to be going mm. through the narrative. You're in a nice and you're literally just rail. following them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, that doesn't mean they're sim- that's like one of the reasons why they're such mm-hmm. huge films. The um, when you said that the another thing you said though, and you might have just been being whimsical, but I do want to drill down into it. And by this is by no means a judgment of anyone except maybe me. When you remember early Star Wars, was that were you being uh, um, flowery and purple when you said that you have memories of being in the cockpit, or were you that immersed? Oh god, yeah, films. like like you know, in in bed at night, I'd imagine myself flying an X-wing, and so you know, I, I can think back and I can put myself there. In in although I don't have a memory of being it, I have a memory of of imagination, and to me, there's no more or less clarity there than there is with other memories. I think what I was trying to say is there comes to a point where memories might as well have just been something you saw or something you imagined. Yeah. You know, it's... They're well, so misty and vague. Because you're supposed to be immersed. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think yeah. you're supposed to be immersed in something, and I totally understand what you mean, and it mm-hmm. totally fits with that idea that the memories that you see on photos are mm-hmm. 
are the ones that that keep re- refreshing themselves mm. because you're seeing the photo, so you yeah. start to remember the photo and the memories rather than the thing. Um, but I wonder if, I mean, either I'm drastically misinterpreting my own internal mechanisms hmm. or which is definitely possible or uh or that's something that that's something where i'm very different from you and yeah. from what i've heard very different from a lot of people mm-hmm. and not necessarily in healthy ways because i couldn't have loved those films more hmm. i i think my love of my love of just films in general hmm. and tv in general and and stories in general mm-hmm. couldn't be more um i think it's genuine i think it's sincere it it's a very different love from the one i'm hearing about here now mm-hmm. and, and that i hear about a lot but i definitely think it's sincere i'm i'm definitely enjoying things at a relatively pure level mm. but i think i've always even when i was very young i get the feeling i was very conscious that i am watching a thing about characters mm. Whether or not I believed that things were possible mm. at some point, I don't know. I must have done at a certain age. Oh. I know that I believed in Father Christmas a lot later mm. than other people, but I think I always had, I've always had that detachment, but maybe I've always had that detachment from everything. Star, you know? Star Wars, although didn't seem real to me, I do remember having a conversation with my cousin when we were younger where basically the conversation was in an infinite universe, it must be true. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. You know, and, and I remember having conversations, you know, these big sort of metaphysical conversations about, you know, uh, you know, pretty much anything you can imagine probably has come true in an infinite universe and all that sort of thing. But I definitely believe that. And yeah. I've got an almost magical belief in, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Or magic, magical and intellectual. I believe it mm. as much as I believe anything. But, you know, so there, there was that, but it wasn't. Yeah, I just, I was so immersed by it that I'd want to imagine myself in, you know, I tell myself stories in the evening where I was at night, wasn't going to bed, where I'm part of the, I'm part of the action, or I'd continue stories on and stuff like that. You know, tell myself stories in my in my head involving I, style. Pretty much routinely, it's 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 always been. Um, when I did that, it was always sci-fi as well. It was either one of two. It was either Star Wars or it's Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But like deeply obsessed with. The idea of, 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 you know, an exploring space and one of these sort of fantastical sort of realities. I used to carry on stories all the time. Like mm. in the A team and stuff, I used mm-hmm. to come up with stories for them as well. I just don't think I was ever a character in them. Mm. Maybe I'd, maybe I'd do that Mary Sue thing of mm. in my head, I'd write a character who was more, I'd come up with a character who was mm. more like, like there'd be a new member of the A team or something like mm. that. But it wouldn't ever be. Oh no! God, it, that's tragically sad. I mean, it thinking would, about it, it, it would be me, but I, I, as a like you say, as a character. I, you know, I'd, I'd possibly give myself a character name rather than right. being James. You know, but it would be me. I wonder. I don't know because you know I wasn't. Oh, there's a lot of stuff to work. Through. I didn't imagine I was an eight-year-old kid in a cockpit of an X-wing. No, you no, know, I was you, an adult. But, <laughs> you know, but I think I just think I was always a little bit distanced from. But then that's kind of how I my my um my am now as well. Recurring um childhood fantasy though was a footballer, and you know I still had these imaginings as I got into my twenties, and I liked how how my um my imaginary footballer got older. I suspect <laughs> I suspect now he'd be a a manager. Yeah. Or a coach. In the Star Wars universe. No, in the no, it was always Saints. I got very confused there. It was always Saints. The uh 
Um, I think it's normal. I think everyone does that. No, I think your I think your stuff's normal. I think yeah. the amount of people who I've never I've never got on with fancy dress, which is why oh, as no, much as too, much as yeah. I can appreciate cosplay, I can't imagine doing it. And and but part that, of that's embarrassment, but part of it is just. I don't think I love, I don't think I associate with or relate to any characters enough. But it, it, for me, it's the dread of calling attention to myself. So it's almost inviting ridicule. Hmm. And I'm terrified of inviting ridicule. I don't have a problem with inviting ridicule, but it has to be ridicule I can it's uh, all right if control. I, it's all, yeah. yeah, it's all right if I start it. If I start calling myself a fat bastard and, and all that sort of rubbish, that self-deprecating stuff. But that's all about I'll start it and I'll say things that are worse about myself than you can say. But, what, but, what, what's more worrying is if people don't say anything to you, but they go off yeah. and they think that there's no irony in anything you've done. Like, yeah. they think that for me, the worry there would be, do they think I think I'm six foot and like, <laughs> strapped mm. do you know what i mean yeah that'd be my worry i'd, I'd have to do it uh, anything like that i have to mm. do ironically i'm like no I, I know we do a podcast i don't think i'm a stand-up comedian i, I have to make this stuff really clear I, all I, the time maybe the difference when i'm being self-deprecating is actually i kind of do half pretty much believe what i'm like when i'm calling myself a disgusting fat bastard it's like well that's kind of what i see in the mirror so I'm, yeah no absolutely. i'm just telling you what I, I, that, that's what i'm I mean. being observational that's that's very much how I feel when mm. I'm criticising myself. Because I get I uncomfortable when people try and stop me. I'm not fishing for them to make yeah. me feel better on a conscious level, maybe. I'm not fishing for them to make me feel better. But I get kind of incredulous when like, when I say I'm fat. And people go, oh, you're not fat. And go, but I fucking am, though. Mate, go and ask my fucking doctor. I definitely am. It's very... It's very complicated, isn't it? Yeah. We, we're going through very complicated things with the self-deprecating humour. But I think, for me, the biggest fear... I, it is to, uh, uh, part of it is a fear of being misunderstood. Mm. Um, so I over explain yeah. and it ends up with me being more misunderstood mm. than, than ever. But part of it is that thing where, um, part of the, the thing about dressing up or cosplay or any of that stuff mm. is I'd be, uh, and that's why a lot of the stuff we do is very self-referential and we talk mm. about it when we're being rubbish. When we've done something rubbish on yeah. on the podcast or or stuff like that, why we can't even pretend to be be anything but insecure? Mm. You know, we can't be professional. <laughs> we have to. Yeah. The insecurity has to come through. Is because my uh, almost my biggest. It's a really weird, twisty, almost biggest fear is that someone will think that I think I'm really good mm. when I. And they'll go away thinking, well, who the fuck does he think he, and it's mm. like, no, it's important that you know that I'm doing this because it, because I'm enjoying it or something, yeah. but that I really don't think I look like Spider-Man yeah, in, yeah. in this outfit or, or, or any, any number of these different things. Mm. Um, which is a bit arch because I do think that on, we might not be the most professional podcasters or whatever, but there are things we do mm-hmm. as a unit yeah. that I am, quite proud of mm. and there are things i do in relation to this that i'm quite proud of but i also be. really know that, oh thank you um you're making me uncomfortable though Good. Uh, but i also know that we aren't you know we aren't professional at all <laughs> and we don't we don't have features i understand why no, we're a difficult sell I, I to think, people i and think stuff we've got like a that. fine corinthian spirit corinthian what yeah. does that mean isn't uh, he the guy he's the guy with the the little teeth eyes in no, the, uh, the the corinthians were uh, a um a, a Amateur football team. 
who oh. even in the age of professionalism remained remained um determinedly amateur and and there there was a pride in playing the game without making money from it but ah. it was that it, there's there's a purity in that spirit because you're doing it for the love and the the glory rather than for financial reward i would like some financial reward or mm. glory though you mean so they're hipster footballers I'll tell you what, actually, if you look at pictures of people who were Corinthians back in the day, they kind of do look like hipsters. They're really, it's that chase, chase for authenticity. Yeah. That there is. Um, yeah, they were uh, artisans. <laughs> we've artisan, artisanal football. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, we, uh, should talk about uh, our weeks just very briefly because there is some Jesus. relevance. So we do sometimes talk about our children on this. This is we've, ostensibly we've, a parenting podcast. We've gone on, haven't we? I managed to mention, um, Scarlet and her love of Star Wars, though, so I'm quite pleased with that. Well, I, um, I took a, I, sorry, very briefly, if I may, um, I took her to see the dinosaur exhibition at our Sea City Museum on Saturday. She's a girl child. She's a girl child. So from what I'm hearing, that would probably be a more positive thing to do than take to see Jurassic World. Yeah, I'm one. Uh, uh, Although Jurassic World apparently is really violent. And fu- stuff funny, well, funny you should mention that. I think um, her and, um, no, sorry, her mummy and I are going to go there Sunday because Sunday is both Father's Day and my 13th or our 13th wedding anniversary, ah. but it marks, Sunday marks 25 years since Nicola and I started seeing each other. Oh, so you mm. got married on your anniversary. Yeah, which which, which happens, keeps the dates all Which tidy. happens to be Midsummer's Day as well. It's 21st of June. So it's a really quite a nice auspicious auspicious date. And we, we, when we got married, we decided we'd get married on the first Saturday that June the 21st fell on after um, we made that decision. We, we managed to not record uh, on my birthday week. Which Happy I'm actually birthday. quite really, I don't, thank you. I got some nice presents and stuff and it was nice. I haven't really got anything to add to any of the mm. previous times we've talked about birthdays. It is the 42nd one. Meaning which, of life, the universe. Meaning of life, yeah. the universe. But, uh, crucially, uh, it's an answer that doesn't help because you still don't know the question. Yeah. And that's pretty a- apt, really. Isn't it also the number of previous sexual partners of Dante's girlfriend in, um, Clarks. Maybe. I haven't seen it. 42? Yeah, no, I think it is. I think it is. Um, interestingly or topically for this week, Mm. because, and I mainly, you made me think of this with anniversaries, Mm. talking about anniversaries. So I'm not, it does sound like a crunching uh, subject change, but Mm. I was listening. I promise. I was present for a moment. Um, the, uh, we've, uh, Orange is the New Black, the third season of Orange is the New Black. I hear it's out. I said it wrong. It's, uh, Oranges are not the only black. No, no, it's it's oranges, the new black. Now there, that's uh, uh, how you're supposed to say it, I think. But uh, we, so we started watching it, and the main character Piper, who is uh, in the tradition of Sex and the City and Ali McBeal, mm-hmm. the least interesting character in it, the uh, the white blonde, mm. uh, uh, relatively posh central character, mm-hmm. is the least interesting character in it, which is. Um, that's come up in the last week. I think someone was saying online, if uh, Ali McBeal or Sex and the City didn't have the main character, that they, it would be a show that they'd just be completely in love with. Is there a dancing baby in it? No, there isn't. There's lots of crazy, crazy-ass stuff. But the main character has the same birthday as me, but oh. she's significantly younger than I am. Congratulations. Um, thank you. But that's been very good. We've been watching mm. that. I had forgotten that every single character in that program uh, almost makes me cry at some point. 
when it focuses on them, there's too much pathos or bathos. Aramis. There's too much pathos and bathos and Aramis and Aramaic. Yeah. But I this weekend for me was a bit of a weird one, and I'm still a bit depressed about it. Okay. Because it, it was lovely. It was uh, one of the few weekends where Amy hadn't booked loads of stuff because we went mm. to the zoo uh, last week, and that was lovely. But my feet were very tired afterwards. But um, Marble Zoo, very good yes. zoo. Recommended to, to, highly? Yes, I really, really like yeah, it very good. to celebrate my birthday. Although, um, I, I must admit, Nicola and I were talking at one point about it, and um, for some reason I started picturing you naked up in the tree with the red panda sucking your thumb and crying, and I don't know how I got to that. I don't know how I got to that mental image, but it really burnt itself into my brain. That mental image is my spirit animal. Red pandas are my favourite, so maybe you were picking up on something I've said before. They're my favourite too. Um, But uh, they're always up in the tree and you can't see them, so maybe when I saw them, I was... There was a school trip, because we went on a Monday, so there was a school trip there, all of us looking up, trying to see this Mm. red panda and just barely seeing it. I have to say, last time we went, we got a very good view. It was on a low branch, and it was very visible. Oh, all right. No, but, like, one in ten trips to Marwell, you get a decent view of the red panda. One of the things that I've noticed, and I think the reason red pandas really resonate with me and mm. the reason why I like meerkats is they're they're almost recognisable. They make sense as animals. And, like, the big cats mm. and the big cats and some of the rodents and stuff, they all make sense as animals. Mm. Uh, you can sort of see how they got there. But uh, the... the Giraffes, which you see mm. very clearly, the giraffe enclosure at Marwell is great, and awesome. you get lots of lots of view of them. Giraffes, mm. and to a slightly lesser extent, rhinos, and definitely hippos. Mm-hmm. We didn't see anteaters this time, but they're they're great. But oh, we yeah, we all, got to see the anteater last time. It was cool. They all feel more like dinosaurs than actual normal creatures. You see a giraffe, and not only does it evolutionarily confuse the mind. But mm. everything about them, it isn't just their long necks. Their legs are weird as well, mm. and everything about them is yeah. strange. And so even when you're, like I was at Marwell, mm. even when you're just a, a few feet away from them, they feel CGI and weird, and See, like they don't quite make sense. I'm not sure. I, 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 I like giraffes because they are a brilliant example of um, adaptive evolution. Hmm. And and that's what I love about them. Kind of you can see that maybe once upon a time they were a bit horse-like. Yeah, but they look like they were drawn by a child. I think that's the thing. <laughs> they re- they really do. And like I I'm not saying I'm not saying well, that suddenly look, I believe in God. Actually, if anything, if anything, I think they are more of a case for uh, evolution than anything else. Do you because think they're more ridiculous than the anteater? Because the ant. No, I think the anteater is crazy. Ass. He, he is nuts. And hippos, hippos are the weird thing because they're they're chunky ass. You kind of you've mm. grown up seeing hippos. You haven't grown up hearing hippos, yeah. so you see it and it's swimming around, and you're like, wow, it's moving around more than you'd expect it to. Uh, looking at it. Uh, because it's fat old lump. They stink though, don't they? Yeah, and then they, and everything stinks at the zoo. In the aqua- no, but the aquatic bit. Yeah, oh, oh man. God. But then they make, but then they make a noise, and yeah. it sounds like a noise out of Star Wars. It doesn't sound like a real noise. Well, it you, sounds like You know something. why it sounds like a noise. Is it because they use noises Because that's what Ben Burnt used. He used organic noises, didn't he? That's but, why it sounds so good. But it doesn't sound organic. It sounds weird. I, I suffered a lot from the Uncanny Valley effect this time. Fair enough. Did you, um, go into the tropical? Bit. No, I don't like it. Oh, it, are they, uh, 
I went in there last time. They've got this really, uh, they've got the like African worker ant or whatever, the like tropical worker ants. But they've got this tube that goes around almost the entire, um, tropical house. And at one end there's leaves, at the other end's their nest. And you get to watch them carrying these leaves on their backs. It's quite, um, quite impressive. Ants are one of those things that I find fascinating. Uh, but I prefer not to see them doing what they're like. They're like aliens. You prefer not from to see the film them aliens. carrying bits of leaf. That, it's just, it's just the, it's, it's basically that they're one, they're one of very few creatures, mm. very few creatures, um, that, uh, I think, uh, the, there's them. And most of, most of the creatures are very small ones mm. where I think that literally the only reason that we are at the top of uh, the, the, the particular food chain. Literally the only reason we are at the top of all of the species is because these little species, is because we're, we're beyond their notice. They don't care about us. If they cared about world domination, then we'd be fucked. Because they're way better at everything they do oh, than we are at anything. They're, they're very good. Like, and, and that's the case with, like, lions and elephants and all of those mm. creatures. They could, they could be dangerous for a small group of people. Mm. Um, maybe. But ultimately, we'd outwit them. You know what I mean? If we well, realised like, there was a dangerous group of li- elephants, lions and tigers and elephants are only dangerous if you don't have a gun. Yeah, and 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 I think eventually they'd come up against humans who did have mm. guns. I think the reason why uh, the Planet of the Apes films, the recent Planet of the Apes films, mm. are so I like them so much, aside from the fact they're just fucking ace. Mm. Uh, but why they also creep me out is because it, it feels like. I mean, it's okay, talking apes is a, is a different thing. That doesn't feel plausible. But when you see how these creatures interact with each other and then you realize that they're also more agile than us mm. and they're stronger in almost every single case and every yeah. single type, they only do seem a, a little bit of an attention shift. Mm-hmm. The reason they're not a real problem for us is because they, they quite like just hanging out in trees. They don't really want any of what mm. we've got. And it's the same with ants. Like... We've got, um, we, there, there seems to be a little ant nest, uh, we noticed yesterday under our, under our front step, mm-hmm. which is a big concrete step. They're clearly digging it. I, I washed, uh, I washed all of the, uh, debris that the, the, we'd noticed that there was what looked like sand collecting. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed it was part of some construction work. We hadn't really cleared it up, but it's clear that actually it's where they're burrowing under the thing. And that's just mm-hmm. the, the, the de- debris. And I washed it all away with some boiling water last night. Uh, I was pretty sure that wouldn't get rid of the ants. Mm-hmm. But I had to try something. Uh, this morning there was a whole bunch more sand there again, and there are still loads of ants. Mm. So, and I know it's probably but not they, very nice that I have to try and get rid of them, but I do have to try and get rid of them because they're going to destroy my house. Well, now what you've done, you, you've you've injured them and, and killed some of them, and now they've redoubled their efforts and they're actually undermining the foundations of your they're house. They're angry. Now. They are angry as you'll, fuck. You'll go back the day and it'd just be a pile. But yeah, so uh, this week we had one of those unusual weekends where we didn't have anything booked. Mm. And lots of nice things did end up happening. Uh, uh, Friday night, um, uh, to, uh, Friday night, one, one of my friends who has a, a little boy that's just a little bit younger than Noah, mm-hmm. but we've never quite got them together, even though we both live in town. Um, they, they came around to borrow some, to, to have some boxes. Okay. No, cause they're moving. So they need some boxes. We still had loads left over, but they brought their little son and Amy had had a really difficult day. Oh, this could have been a subject on a parenting podcast. Uh, but, but too late now. Uh, Amy had had a really difficult day with Noah during the day because there's one of the, she's still in touch with all of the NCT mums. And there's one particular little boy who I think it's about an alpha thing. 
they see each other a lot, mm-hmm. and this little boy was older and bigger than Noah to begin with. And this little boy always wants whichever toys are in Noah's hand. Mm-hmm. Noah doesn't want to give them, so it always ends up with Noah just shoving this little boy. And it was getting to the point where it was quite upsetting for Amy because it, it's just impossible to do anything mm-hmm. about it. You you try and tell him off or you try and defuse the situation, mm-hmm. but it just kept happening. So against that backdrop of that You're day... You're secretly proud, though, that your, your son's got the upper hand. Not really, no. I mean, I'm, uh, I have trouble knowing how to feel about it. Isn't but there even a little bit of you, though, that's going, go on then, you fucking show him, you keep hold of that toy. I don't want him to be like that because I want to See, be... See, you haven't got the evil deep down in you that I have. Well, no, mainly it's just I don't want there to be someone who wants to be an alpha male in the house. Unnecessary. I, I just... um. I think because I've always been so bad at standing up for myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I quite, it's something I'd quite like to, cause I, I don't know if I want to bring someone up saddled with that, that complete inability to, to push for what I want. I think I might be a bit worse than you, actually, in this regard, because mainly I kind of figure he's going to hate me and start pushing back in his teens anyway, because that's what they do. Yeah. I'd I'd rather him not be a personality type that's giving me trouble earlier than that. Oh, you don't want to get the I want to be the, the, want to be the dominant oh, okay. the dominant male for a bit at least. Fair enough. Um, I'm not the alpha in the house. It'd be nice to at least be the alpha male for a little while. I don't want to be the alpha in my house. Um, the, the, well, I'm not. I mean, that's mm. Amy. But so, uh, or maybe Willow. I'm not sure. So, <laughs> nice so, <laughs> so this, uh, this little boy came round against this backdrop and, and it was nice seeing them. They weren't, mm-hmm. they were doing that thing of kids that they're both nearly two. Yeah. They were doing that thing where they don't really interact that much with each no, other. No, they play alongside. They circle around yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah. And so we were a little bit nervous mm-hmm. after the day Amy had had, but it all, it culminated in they were going. They, mm. they did, hadn't, they'd been playing with the grown ups. Mm-hmm. They'd been playing together with the grown-ups, but yeah. they hadn't really been playing together. And they gave each other a hug as, mm-hmm. as they were going. Unprompted, they gave yeah. each other a Aww. hug. And it was actually, neither of them had let go. So we had to... Uh, uh, it sounds like I'm, what I'm actually doing is looking at a, a mini aggressive wrestling match mm. through rose-tinted spectacles. But no, it was just this super cute moment. Mm. Um, but I think... At that point, the thing that would ruin my weekend had already clearly been seeded and I just didn't know about it. And then on the Saturday, we had a lovely day. Mm. We went, we met some of the NT, uh, the two of the NCT parents who also have two children. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're slightly older than both of ours, but like, you know, obviously within the same age groups. Yeah. And we went to the soft play that you told us about actually. Charles Ford. Yeah. Cause they were going to go it's there. Nice, they, yeah. It's they right. go there. We've been there a couple of times, mm. but, um, they were going to go there anyway. So mm-hmm. we went there. And we found a, that they found a pub nearby. It's like a beef eater, I think. Oh, the, does, the hut. Yeah. That does quite cheap, quite cheap, nice meals, but yeah. also children eat for free. Get a decent steak in there. Yeah. Mm. Ch- we didn't have, I didn't have a steak, but children eat for free. Mm-hmm. And also the chips, whichever sort you get and the pop, the fizzy pop. Never ending. Never ending. You can just, mm. they just keep coming over. I've never had more than one more. portion chips. No, I, we had a lot. I think we overdid it. But anyway, so that was, that was lovely. And then yesterday, my cousin, uh, George, who was in London, um, who's, it lives in London, but happened to be in Eastleigh for a friend's birthday. So he popped over and that was really nice. And also two people, uh, one of the only other grown men who's ever been on this, Alex. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, who was on an early episode, uh, with me and, uh, George Beedham who is a friend of ours who contributes to um, 
who contributes mm-hmm. a lot to We Have Issues. Both of them got married, not to each other. Ah. They got married to their partners. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lovely weekend yeah. for everyone. But I woke up on Saturday with the worst toothache. Like, ah. And I'm, now I'm not sure if it was the tooth that was the problem or the gum, but it just ended up with this pain yeah and it literally lasted the extent of my weekend brilliant so started saturday morning finished this morning at some point oh dude so my whole weekend was just wasted and now i'm back at work and i'm fine which doesn't seem fair you should probably book an appointment with a dentist to stop it happening again which feels like a whole episode in its own right but we were talking about memory and drugs so much but we need to talk about dentists at some point i don't i don't know I haven't been to one in a really long time for mm-hmm. various different reasons. And when I ask around for people mm-hmm. who might know one locally, it seems that uh, I I always thought that I had particularly bad dental, mm. uh, not dental hygiene, but a particularly bad mm. record with dentists. But apparently most people don't go to dentists very often. No, I don't. Uh, last time I went to a dentist, which was about a year or two ago, um, I had to wait there for an hour after an extraction because I wouldn't stop bleeding. Oh, that's what happened to Anya, and she had a lungworm. I don't have lungworm. Okay, good, because we ended up at a specialist hospital, and we thought she'd die. Yeah, Koda had lungworm. We were worried about her for... She was kind of touch and go very early on. I think before we knew you, actually. Might have been. Mm. It was a very tough time. Code, well, we didn't have Lois at the time, so... That, so it would have been a tough time, she's brought a lot to your house, hasn't she? Yeah, most of it's shit. <laughs> Uh, I, just tons and tons of it. I think I think we need to go. Oh, yep. uh, th- there's a new podcast called Reconcilable Differences, which um, is one of my podcasting heroes. Mm. Well, just generally heroes, actually. Not that I have heroes, but like I don't want to get into that right now. But um, one of my favourite podcasty and internet-y people, Merlin Mann, is doing a uh, podcast with a guy. He's always talked about loads on his other shows mm. called John Syracuse. Uh, but this is, uh, man does, uh, productivity podcasts and, and podcasts about other things. This is the first one that just really seems to be about, by accident, he's exploring all of the stuff that makes him one of my favorite podcasters. Uh, very similar in tone, if not in structural format to the show I, uh, I did with, uh, life partner Steve, um, unanswered mm-hmm. in that they're not aiming to, they're not aiming to close the loop on any yeah. on any uh, facts or uh, subjects or anything, but it's uh, it, for me it's an exploration of uncertainty that I really like uh, of not being definitive that I really like. So um, that's worth listening to. Reconcilable differences. There's absolutely no need uh, for me to be promoting it here they're probably no, doing I'm not fine even vaguely interested they're in all uh they're both already famous podcasters in their own right so um i don't know why i, I think there's that. enough podcasts yeah do I mean, uh, if, if anything there's probably too too many too too many do uh do listener do tell uh your friends and family if you think they'll like um uh reconcilable differences uh, do do tell them about it. Do tweet about it. Do uh, Facebook message about it. Oh no, wait! Uh, you can also do that for us as well, and we could really do it. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, maybe Merlin Man should be talking about our podcast rather than vice versa. I that I mean, it'd be nice. Yeah. Why has <laughs> it always got to be the little guy 
sort of bigging up the big guy? Why can't it come down a little bit occasionally, eh? Where's the justice? That's the whole point of trickle-down economics oh, as well, isn't it? stick your trickle-down economics. The shit flows downhill. Joe, I wish I'd... I'd, 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 I'd someone really nicely um, uh, deconstructed trickle-down economics the other day, and I can't remember. It really amused me. But I'll try and remember it for another time. Uh, yes, do that. Yeah, I might. And then I'll put it in the show notes for that episode. I'm sorry, my phone keeps going. I'm so popular. I don't think it. I don't think it would have come up. So drawing attention to it is like. I know, but I want to say maybe how, that's the perfect time to finish. The I want to say how incredibly popular I am when it's actually just the same text from my wife reminding me that it's come. Doesn't she know that you're recording? No. <laughs> we should go. All right. Bye, James. Bye. <laughs>